in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Will you turn with me, please, to the passage we read earlier in Matthew chapter 5. I'd like to consider with you tonight what we find in verse 13. What we find in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. <coughs> Perhaps it's rather obvious to say that salt is a very incredibly important commodity in our lives. It's found in, in many, if not all, sort of packaged foods, packaged or tinned foods. It has great qualities. We know this from for preserving and for seasoning. No doubt this has always been the case, though its use as a preservative was perhaps more notable before the advent of our um, fridges and freezers and the like, which we now, of course, take for granted. So Christ likening Christian disciples to salt was and is a very powerful image. Jesus has been here speaking in the Beatitudes of the marks of the disciples, sort of hallmarks of the disciples. We have this there in the first 12 verses. This is the introduction to his teaching in the world. These Beatitudes, they are called. These are the marks of the Christian, the marks of a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very challenging teaching this. In the world there is opposition to face and even persecution when you stand for Christ. But that is the way of the soul who is destined for heaven. Look at verse 10. Blessed are these which are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted the, the prophets which were before you. This puts persecution in perspective, doesn't it? That notwithstanding the persecution that may be experienced in one way or another, whether it's physical or psychological, the destiny of men and women who believe in Jesus is secure. <coughs> now, living by these Beatitudes, of course, which is expected... It's expected that those who are followers of Jesus will live by these beatitudes. Living by these beatitudes, uh, live by these beatitudes, and you will certainly ruffle the devil's feathers, and you'll ruffle the world's feathers as well. But such living will be a powerful witness in a, in a sinful world, living by the principles that Jesus outlines here in the beatitudes. And when we come to verses 13 to 16, the focus turns on the impact of the lives of Christian believers in the world. This is the impact they should have in the world. If they are living by these principles, this will be the case. One thing is sure, one thing is sure, nominal religion will not do. A mere nominality will not do. A nominality has largely killed the church in our fair land in the past century, century and a half. 
And I mean by nominality, just going through the motions of religion without a heart for Christ, without a heart for God, without the gospel, thinking that there can be a church without the gospel, without the grace of God. It will not do. There must be visible commitment in discipleship. There ought to be the power of a holy life. There is power in a holy life. The question is, how does the life of the disciple tell for Jesus? We look at verse 13 tonight. Clearly, you can only be the salt of the earth if you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're a true believer in the Lord Jesus as your saviour. So this is what you are to be, the salt of the earth. So let's consider what that means, because it is a phrase that you hear people speak about often, really quite loosely, with this person and that person, because of the sort of vocation that they're, they're pursuing is the salt of the earth. Well, this is something very special. This is something directed towards what disciples are or what disciples should be. And I say should be because of the second part of verse 13. The salt has lost its savour. Wherewith shall it be salted? So let's consider what this means. The two things I'd like to, to, to consider tonight, and the first is this, how different the Christian is to be. Perhaps it's obvious how different the Christian is to be. Whoever may consider themselves to be a Christian must be asked the question, what difference does Christ make in your life? Does it show? How does it show? To the Colossians, Paul writes of believers, and perhaps this is um, more, in a, more a comment on the, the verses Verses 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. But nevertheless, it's the differentness that we're emphasizing here. He says, he says this, He has delivered us, Christ has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, his dear Son. That, Im that implies surely difference, the difference that, the, that will be evident or should be evident in the life of believers, in the life of Christians. This will show, will it not? Peter says something very similar of the disciples of Christ when he says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, uh, his own special people, that you may show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Now it goes to, goes, stands to reason that if that is, that is so, then this will make a difference to the whole position of the disciple, the Christian in the, the world. There is a differentness expected of them and expected of them by the Lord Jesus Christ himself and implied in this picture of the Christian as salt of the world, salt, salt of the earth. <clears throat> From darkness to light. This is the difference that the gospel makes in people's lives. Can't get away from it. What difference has the gospel made in your life and mine? And what difference is visible and discernible with us in what we say and what we think and how we act and how we react as well. In the mortification of our sin. Uh, 
uh, we're new creatures in Christ, the Bible says. All things are passed away. All things have become new. Is that true of us? It will show. It will show. Does it show in you and me? This differentness, of course, is emphasized in the Beatitudes themselves. Just go through them. I mean, some of, some of, these, some of these you wouldn't expect. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. How, how is it blessed to be a mourner? Mourner over sin, of course. Yes, that's a blessing. To be a mourner over sin. To be a, of a humble spirit. And so meek. And all, these, all these beatitudes are sort of, in a sense, contrary to nature. And they are contrary to the natural man. And make a difference in the life. A powerful difference. And we have this in this picture of the disciples as the salt of the earth. Salt's effectiveness, salt's effectiveness, either as a preservative or as a seasoning agent, lies in its differentness. This much is implied in the warning of the second sentence in the verse. If it is not sufficiently distinct, it is, in effect, useless. If it isn't sufficiently distinct, it is, in effect, Useless. It's a very challenging thought for those who are seeking to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a serious challenge to professing Christians. They are to be distinct from the world. If the influence of professing Christians is diminished, as it certainly is in our day, what does that say of their differentness? American evangelist D.L. Moody once said this, and I quote, I do not believe there is any doctrine more needed today in the Christian church than the doctrine of separation. We have lost power because the line between the church and the world has been almost completely obliterated. A good many people profess Christianity, but their profession does not mean much. The result is that the world does not know what Christians really believe. For every unconverted man that reads the Bible, a hundred read you and me. And if they see us hand in glove with the ungodly, they are not going to have any confidence in our profession. That's very much to the point, isn't it? We recognize it, don't we, in today? Perhaps you recognize it in your own life, even. And if Moody could say that in the end of the 19th century, what would he say at the beginning of the 21st or in, in 2024? So let's consider how salt helps us see what a disciple should be. First of all, consider it's a small, it's something small and apparently insignificant. You sprinkle it on things and it has an effect throughout. However small or insignificant you think yourself to be, Believer, you can and are to be influential for Christ and truth. You will be influential for Christ and truth as you live for Christ in this sad, fallen, depraved world in which you live differently as salt, as salt in the world. A little salt in a big pot of food seasons it throughout. Don't underestimate the influence of good you can be 
you can be, whatever your age or educational experience of life, a holy Christian life can have a large influence for Christ and for the kingdom of heaven. But it's not only a small, apparently small and apparently insignificant commodity. It's a vital one. It's always been in the past and still is. Whatever tins or foodstuffs you look at, there, is, there it is, salt. As you go through your supermarket shelves, you look at all the products and almost everything's got salt in it. And of course, uh, yeah, it's an important, keeps things from putrefying. And so, the, Christ, the presence of Christians, living as Christians, living for Christ, living according to the word of God, living according to the principles of Christ, for example, stated in these, these Beatitudes, living by the law of God, the word of God, the presence of Christians is vital, morally speaking and spiritually speaking, if a society is to be, is to be uh, a God-honoring one. Remember how Abram pled for Sodom. Surely the Lord would not destroy that place if there were ten righteous souls. And he would not have destroyed the place if there had been ten righteous souls. Now there weren't ten righteous souls. The place was destroyed. But he and his daughters were spared. They were delivered. Perhaps it's a little realised how much of a preservative in society a small number of true believers is, acting and believing and speaking as they should for Christ and for truth. People who are submissive to Christ and to the word of God. We conclude that it is the differentness that tells if you are a Christian disciple, you are as a Christian disciple should be. the salt of the earth. But that, of course, is very challenging because the finger is pointed at us. The finger is pointed at you and me and we are asked, how different are you from the world and worldly notions and opinions and principles? What sort of influence are you for Christ and for good? How Christ-like is your life? How discernibly Christ-like is your life? How discernibly Christ-like is your life in speech and in behaviour? The Christian is not to be in the world's mould, but is to be different and distinct, salt of the earth. But secondly, what difference the Christian is to make in the world? Now we know from the 8th Beatitude in verse 10 here of this chapter that a Christian disciple is going to face persecution in the world. That's what the verses 10 and, and 11 concern, 10 to 12 really are concerned with. There is an innate hatred of the truth in people's hearts. The natural man, the person who is unregenerate, unsaved, will have a natural aversion a natural hatred of the truth. 
because they are in they are in rebellion against God by nature. This is evident. However respectable they may think themselves to be. There's often very violent reaction to the presentation of the claims of the gospel to people, and we feel it. If you try to, if you think about sharing the faith with somebody or other, is it not a thought to us? Well, will they react violently to us? Will, will, will they, will they, will they forsake friendship in the future? Will they be prejudiced against us, and so on? And that—that that is sometimes justified. It's sometimes just a bit of a pessimistic view of things. Because there's another side to it. Dr. Lloyd-Jones put it this way. He said, It is the glory of the gospel that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she attracts it. It is then that the world is made to listen, listen to the message, though it may hate it at first. I don't know your hearts or your past experiences, spiritual experiences, for those who profess to be saved, you will recognize what Lloyd-Jones was saying there. It may be the gospel held no attraction for you. Whatever your background was, doesn't mean to say that, you know, you came from a bad background. You might have come from a Christian home. But nevertheless, uh, initially it may be there's no attraction for you. And yet it may be that through the hearing of the word and also by the testimony of the lives of others, their godliness. Maybe in your own family, you were brought to see the beauty and attractiveness of Christ. And you came to put your trust in him. You recognize then that the Christian's life should be, shall we say, attractive. Did you think of this in terms of Christian faith and life? And how you live. Think of what Paul writes to, the, writes to the Corinthians, for instance. He says, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, he says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing. The fragrance of Christ amongst those who are being saved amongst those who are perishing. That's effectively the same as being salt of the earth. But is this how professing Christians live today? Is this true for you and me today? Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And I say, are you the salt of the earth? Am I? Two things arise from the sayings of, saying of Christ. First is this, your life is to act as a seasoning agent. Put it that way. Your act is to, life as a season, to, to act as a seasoning agent. What, what message does your life give to those around you? What message does it give? For the disciple of the Lord, the positive must be first. The positive must be. What do I mean by that? Well, believer, does your life say, Christian life is the best. Christ is uppermost. Christ is my whole desire and delight. Christ is first in my life. Does your life say that? Do your words say that? It must be the highest enjoyment of any man and woman in this world. It is the highest enjoyment of any man and woman in this world to live for Christ. To live for Christ. To live according to the word of the Lord. To live according to the will of the Lord as expressed in the word of God. 
How does Jesus want you to live, dear friend, and me? For one thing, as salt of the earth, as one who has a zest for Christian things, a zeal for God and truth, a passion for the worship of God. What sort of impact do you make in this world? What sort of salt in the earth will you be if, for example, you're half-hearted in your religion or erratic in its observances? What sort of impact for Christ if your demeanour is unattractive, if your character is unattractive, if you are morose or ungracious or unpleasant in manner, it won't do because Jesus says, ye are the salt of the earth, and that is what his follower is to be. Your life should show something of the manner of Christ's life. Not that you're going to be soft on sin, not at all, either with yourself or with others, or, with, or in, in the context of society. By no means you will stand for righteousness. Blessed are those who are pitiful for righteousness' sake. So as you stand for unrighteousness, as you stand against unrighteousness, there will be, there will be insistence. Your life should show something for Christ. Your life should show what virtue is your life should show what true spirituality is. It is a life with God, a life with Christ. At the same time, you need to stand. You need to stand and show determination to stand by biblical truth, whatever the cost may be for you in a hostile world. And this is a hostile world for Christians in these days. So your life is to be a challenge in the world, one way or another. A challenge in the world. A challenge against the principles of this world and a challenge to represent Christ as you ought in his attractiveness and, and his, and his, and his uh, position as those who are invited to come to him do they see in you something that attracts them to Christ? But then the second thing is you're to be a restraint on sin. Not only act as a seasoning agent in this hostile world in which we live. Your life is to be a restraint on sin. If the believer is living as he or she should live, then there will be a proper awareness of sin in your own life as something to expel from your life, as something, as the old divines would say, mortify, mortify, die to sin, and live for righteousness. The disciple of the Lord will live to the uttermost under the law of God, ordering their lives by the word and will of the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be self-control. There will be sober-mindedness. There will be restraint on the tongue, control of the passions and desires. <laughs> At the same time, there will be straight with your in your dealings. Not ambiguous, but straight in your dealings. Hopefully, wisely and graciously. This will be a pattern, surely, of a life lived for Christ. 
This will be the pattern of a life in which it can be said, that man, that woman, is the salt of the earth. The pattern of a life lived for Christ, tending the ordinance of worship of home and, and in the community and in the church. There will be a loathsomeness of sin in oneself and in the world, a discouragement of it wherever it manifests itself. There will be a testimony born against sin, a clear position taken on the moral or immoral issues of the day from the point of view of what God has revealed. For example, these could be multiplied. The sanctity of life, basic sanctity of life, sanctity of marriage, these things are undermined in today's society. The sanctity of the Christian Sabbath, the exclusive claims of Christ and Christian faith and life upon the lives of men and women. And by the Lord's grace, this will make a difference among the men and women around you. There will be restraint in an evidently holy life of commitment and devotion to the Lord. It was said of the great Christian athlete, Eric Little, when he went into the dressing room, he became a missionary, of course, you're well aware of the story, he went into the dressing room. The atmosphere changed. It became more wholesome. And his brother, he had an older brother called Robert, who was also a missionary, a medical missionary in China, at the same time as Eric was there. And he was a medical man. He became a fellow of the Ross College of Surgeons of Edinburgh. He was a surgeon, became a surgeon. It was said that in practicing as a surgeon in this country, that he always engaged in prayer with the staff before operations. Think of the impact of such a thing on the staff themselves. Think of the impact of such a thing on the patients. The influence of a man being salt of the earth. Giving God, giving Christ their place in the life of individuals. And this is a great challenge. For what restraint does your life and behaviour and speech have upon those who are around you? What witness for Christ is conveyed? What love for the truth and resistance to sin and error is evident? And here is the rub. How will people take Christianity seriously if professed followers of the Lord Jesus are careless in their lives and with their tongues? and unmortifying their sin as they ought to do. Indulging things. Let no one say, well, I'm not too concerned what others think about, think about me. Now, that's all right if they think ill of you for the wrong reasons. We're conscious here, for instance, that he says, blessed are, men who, blessed are they who, who they are persecuted for persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven for righteousness sake so that if people whatever people think of you for the wrong reasons that is something that they will have to account for in the day of judgment themselves too often people however think of christian faith because they don't see it well represented in professing christians this is a challenge for us isn't it in this world may the lord 
give us a zest for virtue, for spiritual life and holiness and genuine piety, such that we will not be a reproach to Christ or bring a reproach to Christ in our day. His eye is upon us. And he says to us, those who are followers of him, you are the salt of the earth. That is what you are to be. But if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Verse 13 ends with that word of warning. <coughs> it's possible not to be what you should be. We're perhaps all aware of this. But we need to be reminded of it. The professed disciple whose life is not effectively bearing witness faithfully to Christ as the living is, or living as God's words requires is, in Jesus' terms here, good for nothing. Oh, my dear friends, this is a day to be salt in the earth. This is a day not to compromise the principles and truths of the faith once delivered to the saints. What we have received from the Lord Jesus Christ this is a day in which to stand for him and having done all to stand. But to encourage us, Horatius Bonner spoke once of the power of littles. Now this cuts both ways. The power of littles. Encouragingly, little things can have a big influence one way or another. Little words, little deeds can have big influence and when these words and deeds are righteous then they will have a good influence and they will reflect that disciple, that follower of Christ as being salt in the earth but then of course there are also little inconsistencies, little weaknesses little follies little sins The avoidance of these things, says Bonner, at least goes into making up the negative beauty of a holy life. What is required today? That the life, lives of Christian disciples should give abundant evidence of being truly God-centered. So that it may be truly said that for Christ... You are the salt of the earth. My dear friends, there is a world to win for Christ. And he says to us tonight, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? Stands forth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot. God forbid that that should be the so, the, the so but that we should be the salt of the, in the, of the earth. And for any who are not followers of his, the call goes out to you tonight to come to Christ. Because at the moment you are on a broad road leading to destruction. And you are invited in the gospel to come to that narrow road that leads to life, to life through the one who is the way, the truth and the life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't hesitate, don't hesitate, young or old, don't hesitate, but come to him for life and be for him usefully, profitably, 
the salt of the earth in these days. May the Lord bless these thoughts upon his word. Let us pray. Our gracious Lord and Father in heaven, we are thankful for the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the person, the divine person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the challenge that we have through his word. And we pray, Lord, that thou wouldst forgive us every way in which we falter or fail thee. But we pray that thou wouldst give us grace to be overcomers, grace to be salt in the earth, grace to love the Lord above all and our neighbor as ourselves. Graciously bless us then tonight as we come to the end of the service. We pray, Lord, that everything would be to thy glory and honor. And, Lord, we ask for all the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name and for his precious sake. Amen. Amen. Let us sing in conclusion in Psalm 15. <coughs> Psalm 15. Within thy tabernacle, Lord, who shall abide with thee? And in thy high and holy hill, who shall the dweller be? That man, the man who walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and as he thinketh in his heart, so doth he truth express. Who doth not slander with his tongue, nor with his friend doth hurt, nor to his friend doth hurt, nor yet against his neighbour doth take up an ill report, in whose eyes vile men are despised, but those that God do fear, he honoureth and changeth not. Though to his heart he swear, his coin puts not to usury, nor take reward will he against the guiltless. Who doth thus shall never moved be the man who is the man, woman, child who is the salt of the earth within thy tabernacle, Lord, who shall abide with thee. <coughs> within thy
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.